Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn to the book of Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. Thank you, Jesus. I told you, Landon over there, he's talking about Friday night. Brother McGee, I said, boy, you better pray for a resurrection in my body. I like to feel a little bit more not in pain and hurting whenever I do that. Those young people said, you have done, brought us an elder in for sure. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to do the best we can. The only, the only, the only reprieve that really touches my heart that I got. We was doing this this coming weekend, this Friday, and then our normal services. And then the following weekend, we were supposed to be running up to northern Indiana to preach a 10-year anniversary for a pastor. And the weekend after that, we were supposed to go to Ohio to preach for a pastor. That's been scheduled for over a year. And uh, one of them got moved. So I'm just, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost in that. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost in that after this weekend for sure. Amen. Exodus 34 and verse number 29, starting tonight. The Bible says, and it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So you got to understand, Moses has been in the mount of God. He comes down, his face is shining. I'm going to say that rather than shone, okay, because that's getting on me. His face is shining. Everybody knows it but him. He speaks even to the children of Israel with his shining face. And then after that, he veils it. But anytime he goes into the presence of the Lord, he takes off the veil. When he comes out, he'll keep it off until he has shared with them what God has shared with him. And then he'll veil it again. For a little while tonight, I'm going to speak very simply on this subject. Unveiled prayer. Unveiled prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you, Jesus. God, I appreciate you, Lord, in this place. And I'm asking God for your help one more time here today. God, for soundness of mind, strength of body, 
Lord, lung capacity and voice, Lord, to be able to say, God, what you once said, Lord, here tonight. I pray, oh, Lord, this evening, every mind, God, to be brought, Lord, together, every thought, every thought, Lord, to be brought into captivity in this moment. God, for the purpose of lending the ear, Lord Jesus, for the next little while to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, the church. God, here tonight at 1121 Cedar Street, I pray, oh God, touch our hearts and our minds anew, our bodies afresh, and let the Holy Ghost have its perfect way. God, in this place, and will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. Unveiled here in the latter verses of chapter 34 of Exodus this is Moses's second time of 40 days and 40 nights on the mount of God or Mount Sinai his first 40 day experience upon the mount of God resulted in him bringing down the ten commandments if you'll recall breaking them at the base of the mountain due to the frustration from Israel's golden calf that they have made and their ill practices that he found whenever he got to the base of that mountain. But this is Moses' second 40-day experience on the Mount of God. It is his eighth trip, for that matter, up the mount. And at this time, somewhat different from the others, is Moses' own request that he would like to see the glory, the Bible says, of the Lord God. The Lord tells him very simply what's going to happen, what's going to take place. The Lord tells him, Moses, when you get up here, he says, there is a place beside me, and I will place you in the cleft of the rock. And I will pass by you and show you the hinder parts or the back parts of my glory. But my face you shall not see. And the Lord tells him very simply this. Moses, if you want to see my glory, he said, then just come on up the mountain. And, and you might as well just bring a couple more tables of stone so that you might take the Ten Commandments back down again to the base of the mountain since you broke the first pair on the first trip. And so the Bible tells us that Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights there in the presence of the Lord. He has ate no bread. He has not taken anything to drink. And just as the Lord said would happen, did happen, the presence of the Lord passed before Moses just like he said it would. And Moses is standing there in the cliff cleft of the rock experiencing the glory of the Lord he is he's went to the mount of God to make intercession for Israel for their mistake for their golden calf this isn't the first time he's done this and talked to God about it but he talks to God again about it all he's experiencing the glory of the Lord he's in the presence of the Lord and here the Lord appears to him in a fashion unparalleled to any other time before that he's appeared to Moses in so much that the Bible says when he comes down that 40 day endeavor on the mountain that his skin on his face did shine it was illuminated if you will with light can someone say amen 
Now think with here for a moment. This is a combined 80 days in reality. 40 days at one time and nights at one time and another 40 days and 40 nights. All of these times he was in the presence of the Lord. All of these times he was exposed to the presence of the Lord. And for that matter on the second trip he got a glimpse of the backside, the hinder parts of the glory of the Lord. Folks, when you spend 80 days in the presence of God and get a glimpse of His glory, it will make your face shine. Amen. It will have that type of effect or uh, uh, impact upon a person. And the Bible says the crazy thing of it all is this, that Moses descends the mount, and the Bible clearly says that he wished not that the skin of his face shone, which basically means this. He didn't know his face was shining whenever he first came down the mount. He did not realize it. He was not conscious of it. I want tonight for the first apostolic church to bring a little awareness to the church tonight and tell you this that when you've been in the presence of the Lord it's going to show up in your life and other people's going to notice it as well when you've been in the presence of the almighty and you have seen if you will a glimpse of his glory you can't but exit that encounter with God amen and for others to see there's something different there's something peculiar I can't put my finger right on it but there's something about them that's different from anybody else when you spend time in God's presence it will affect your time when you're not in his presence someone say amen and so here he is. They're noticing that something is going on. His face is shining. And whenever you go, can I say this? That when you go consistent enough to the presence of the Lord and stay around long enough in the presence of the Lord and catch a glimpse of his glory, amen, it can and shall be evident to others even if it isn't evident to you. You might not even realize it. But there are others at the base of the mountain that won't be able to deny it. For you, it might be just another day in the life of because Moses had 80 combined days that he was in his presence. Woo! But for somebody that's never been in his presence, for somebody that's never been exposed to his majesty, honey, whenever they see the reflection of God in you, they see that in you it's undeniable sure that shine as the scripture portrays that shine was a little scary if I may to some of the people amen that Moses interacted with they were afraid of him amen but most times it's my understanding that fear is normally derived from a couple of things number one fear is derived from not understanding something or misunderstanding something and so the first time that Moses came down the mount, amen, the mount of God, and he came down and there was the golden calf and there was all of these ill practices, all types of unsanctified activities going on. Amen. The Bible says that he broke the commandments at the base of the altar. Literally, they were broken figuratively they were broken because of all of the activity of the people and the Bible says by the day's end of that first trip down the mountain that 3,000 men had lost their lives at the direction of Moses because people were not lining up with, with the laws and the commands of God so imagine these same people see Moses come down for the second time 
lingering in the back of their mind is a question. Is this trip going down for Moses going to be as horrific as the first trip was? Last time we lost 3,000 people, amen, as a result of him coming down. And his face is glowing, boy. His, his face is glowing, boys. Uh, what are we to make of that? Should we get the women and children together? I don't know what's going to happen here. But Bible says they were reluctant to get close to him. He even calls for Aaron and the elders of the congregation, the rulers of the congregation, to come and to talk with him. And then the Bible says all of Israel, all of the nation of Israel, draws near finally unto Moses, and he talks with them. And the whole time he's talking, the whole time he's telling them about what God shared with them, with him, the whole time he's speaking to them what God had a message for them. His face was shining. He was unveiled. He was talking to them and they seen the radiant glow upon his face. He was talking to them about what God said and they could see the radiant glow upon his face. That whole time amen he is sharing with them his face is unveiled. Most translations that I read amen are in agreement that Moses delivered the message unveiled and then he veiled his face. Whenever he finished speaking what God had said or what God had shared with him, then he would put the veil upon his face. Someone say amen. But when he went into the presence of the Lord after that, either if it was up on the mountain or whether it was in the tabernacle of Moses, the Bible says Moses would remove the veil. This is the best prop you're going to get from me. Moses comes down the, the mountain. His face is shining. He's telling the people God said thus and so and thus. They're looking face shining. They're a little afraid, but they're also a little intrigued. Hey, man, when he gets done talking, boom, shakalaka boom. Veiled face. But any time he went, and I don't need a trip here, Lord, I don't need that. Any time, though, that he would go over into the tabernacle or the mountain and enter into the presence of God, he would pull off the veil as he was in the presence of God. He would come out of the presence of God, speak to the people everything God said, and then boom, shakalaka. He's veiled all over again. So back and forth, unveiled when he was in the presence of God, unveiled when he spoke the word of God to the people, and then veiled after that moment in time. Can someone say amen? So you get the pattern, right? Everybody know what the pattern is? Veiled off in the presence of God, off while he shared what God shared with him to the people, and then veiled all the other times. As a matter of fact, there are some scholars that even believe that Moses held the radiance that was upon his face until the day he died. That was it 120 years old he was? He said his natural strength had not, his natural force had not been abated and his eye was not dim and he was still shining. Listen to me tonight. Give me just a little more monitor up here. I got just, I guess, sand in my jaws. Uh, amen. But may I submit to you tonight that there are only a few ways that Moses' face could continue to shine at the base of the mountain to all people. Amen. Even throughout the rest of his days. There's only a few ways that could happen. Number one, he had to keep making regular trips into the presence of the Lord. 
He had to make some regular trips into the presence of the Lord. And number two, when he was in the presence of the Lord, he had to totally unveil himself and not hide anything. Honey, if his face was going to shine among the people as he shared with them the things of God, if it was going to be shining the day they lowered him down in the grave, it's because you know what? I'm going to go to the presence of God on Monday. I'm going to do it for Tuesday. I'm going to do it on Wednesday. How do you keep that glow, Moses? I'll tell you how. I make regular trips to the presence of the Lord. And when I get there, I take off whatever's hiding me from him. And so if there's a disconnect in the glow, if there's a disconnect in the glow, we got two things, right? We're either not making regular enough trips or when we are there, we're keeping the veil on. (laughs) When we are there, There's some issues. There's some things. There's some things that are remaining hid in the presence of the Lord. Can I tell you today that you cannot hide yourself in the presence of God and expect to shine at the base of the mountain. You can't hide yourself in the presence of God and expect to shine at the base of the mountain or expect to shine on the outside of the tabernacle. He had to expose himself to the presence of God. He had to go there frequently and he had to expose himself because when he left there, he needed to shine for the multitude. He needed to shine for the saved and the unsaved. He needed to shine. Someone say amen. There is. Just a little bit more. You can blast my ears out. It ain't going to hurt me with these two, all right? There's only one other place that a face shined in Scripture. And it was the man, Christ Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration. His clothes, the Bible said, shined white as light, white as snow, whiter than a fuller could white them or a dyer could white them. And the Bible says in Matthew that his face did shine as the sun. As a matter of fact, Luke, the harmony of the Gospels, tells us why they even went up the mountain in the first place. Oh, here we go. In Luke 9, he tells us why. And it, Luke 9, verse 28, and it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings. He took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. The fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. You know why he said Jesus and Peter, James and John went up to the mountain of transfiguration? They went up there to pray. And the man Christ Jesus and Peter and James and John were up there. Amen. Getting in, if you will, the presence of the Lord. They were getting, if you will, in the presence of the Almighty God. And the Bible says, Luke says, as Jesus prayed, 
portrayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. Amen. From the harmony of the gospels, we know this and understand this. That altered countenance was his shining face. I'm more excited about this than a car full of clowns. I'm here to tell you right now. Because what I understand is this. That's the only other place where a person's face shined. And both instances they got in the presence of the Lord. And one in particular, it told us what Christ himself did. His face was altered whenever he prayed. Honey, you want your face to shine? You want it to glow? You want it to get the attention of those that are outside of that closet of prayer? Then go to the closet of prayer and walk before men as the light. Go in the closet of prayer and come out with an illuminating countenance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. Moses from the Old Testament. Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus from the New Testament. Both shining faces. Both from having been in the presence of the Lord. Moses desires to see his glory. And Jesus went to pray. And when they both leave. They both leave with a radiant shine. Someone look at your neighbor and say amen. Now sir or ma'am. I'm not so ignorant. I understand quite well tonight. That we cannot ascend, I guess we could if you're a rock climber, but listen. We cannot ascend a literal mountain like Moses and stay up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Some of you got some sick leave, but not that much. Amen. We can't climb a literal mountain and go up there for 40 days and 40 nights. It's not as though we're going to get another tablets of stone of the Ten Commandments to break back down to the base of the mountain. There's no way, amen, that we can do that. But I will tell you tonight that we can scale a mountain in a figurative way just like Jesus scaled that mountain. We can do what he did, and that's prayer. We can do what he did, and that's pray. We can get into the presence of the Lord and have our own countenance altered by having been with Jesus, by spending time with God. Brother McGee, here you are, the old prayer thing again. Listen, it's good to go back to over and over and over and over again because I don't want your face to get dim. I don't want your face to fade. I don't want your influence and impact in this world, amen, to become less than what it could be just because you didn't make a regular trip, just because you didn't take the veil off your face when you was in his presence. Yes, we may cut some of this out. But let me tell you. You know how you impact Saturdays like this last week? You know how you have a radiant shine? Oh, Brother McGee, that was an outreach. You better believe it was. You call it whatever you want to call it. That was outreach. Oh, did you give them a home Bible study? No. I tell you what I did. Leading up to that, I made trips to his presence. Because that's what we do. Someone say amen. Made, made, made trips to the presence. When we got done practicing Friday night for two and a half hours, my body was already screaming at me. It woke me up at 5 o'clock in the morning because of ache and pain. You know what I did? I got up, I took some ibuprofen, and I went to the garage. Right now, that's my prayer closet. I went to the garage and started praying. Because I wasn't just going to play softball that day. 
Like I said in the back earlier, I had some warm-ups to do before the game started. Because I didn't want to leave my house without there being a glow. I didn't want to leave my house without the brilliance of his presence upon my life. Maybe they would see something. Maybe they would notice something. Maybe they would feel something. Honey, it don't happen if you don't make regular trips. It don't happen if you don't unveil your face when you go. I wanted my countenance to be altered. I want him to think maybe he's not a wacko. Maybe they are kind. Those are pretty good people. Can't lay my finger on it, but I like just being around them. Honey, when you live in a dark world, you, they need some bright lights. And it will only happen when we make our trip to his presence and unveil and expose ourselves. They'll never be exposed to the light if we don't expose ourselves to it. Never. Listen, if you're getting in a rut in the mode, my wife, because she did the other day. Just without notice, I started using the garage as the prayer closet. Just without notice. I switch it up in my life all the time. I don't keep the same place. I don't keep the same time. I don't do any of that consistently always. I switch it up. I'll do something for a while. And after a while, whenever I feel that I'm losing my connection because of McGee, I switch it. And so here lately, I got me a, I got me a, a, a lawn chair out there in the garage. And I get up before my kids go to school. I grab that lawn chair, unfold it, I set it down. And me and Jesus start talking in the garage. Times I've prayed here at the church. There's times up here in this little, these little baptismal rooms. You'll find up here in this room right here, there's a folding chair. Because that's been my prayer closet. Other times, I'll crawl up in there. Me and that folding chair, it's dark in there. It's quiet as a thousand midnights. But I can make my prayer to God and try to get a little glimpse of his glory. I prayed in the bathroom. I prayed early in the morning. I prayed late at night. I prayed at 12 o'clock. There was a time in my life when Don was first married. I would always give the Lord the first hour of my day. And I would go to prayer at 12 o'clock. I'd set my alarm. Didn't matter what time I went to bed. It's going off at 12. I'm going to the other room. And I'm going to pray. What is that about? That's about I got to keep my face shining. I got to keep my face shining. I got to keep my face shining. I got to keep my face shining for my church. Got to keep my face shining for those that might become the church. I got to keep my face shining for the kids. I got to keep my face shining for my family. I got to keep my face shining. I got to go regularly and I got to unveil. You can get into the presence of God. And you can unveil yourself there. And you can walk out of there with a glow upon you that maybe you don't even realize. By Jesus' own example, he reaffirmed the actions of Moses. By Jesus' own example. Make trips regularly. And unveil yourself in his presence. Over and over again in scripture. I'll just give you a few of them. Here this evening. 
Jesus, this is just a few verses of scripture, but here is, here's your will fall underneath the category of make the trip regularly. Jesus went up into the mountain, the Bible says, apart alone to pray. Another place in scripture, the Bible says he went yonder or a stone's cast distance away from the others in Gethsemane to pray. In Luke 6, 12, the Bible says it records that he continued all night. If you ever wondered where we got our all-night prayer meetings from years ago, this is still biblical. He continued all night <laughs> in prayer. There was another occurrence. The Bible says that he was praying, and whenever he ceased praying or whenever he stopped praying, the Bible says in a certain place that his disciple came over and asked him, Lord, will you teach us to pray? I'm talking about regular trips. In Luke 18, Jesus told a parable to those that were in earshot of him. He told a parable of a widow that continually that were continually coming to a judge of the city and continually coming to him. The Bible says that he answered her due to her consistency of coming to him. And before Jesus even starts this parable, he prefaces everything that he's about ready to say simply by saying this in so many words he says here's the purpose of my parable I'm about ready to tell you that men ought always to pray he told from the go, men ought always to pray. Now let me tell you my parable. Here's a widow. She's constantly bugging the fire out of a judge but because she constantly did it she he answered her prayer. You know what he was saying in that? Make regular trips. Do it on the mountain alone and apart. Do it at night if you need to. Do it on your face. Do it sitting in the chair. Do it in a corner. Do it in a fetal position. Do it standing up, laying down. Whatever you do, just do it. Do it at noon. Do it in the morning. Do it when you feel well. Do it when you don't. Do it when you feel like it. Do it when you don't. But just keep doing it. Because every time you go, there's light beaming from you. Every time you go, there's a radiance coming upon you. Every time. Hallelujah. And that's not just for you, but that's for wherever you go. And whoever you meet. And whoever you come in contact. Your face got to glow. You need to go unveiled in prayer. Paul even picks up on the epistles. He says, pray without what? Ceasing. He's saying, don't stop. Regular trips, don't stop. Again, we might not be able to claim a mountain or spend 40 days there. But we can all find a regular place of prayer. We can take regular trips into the presence of the Lord. Someone say Amen. We can unveil ourselves when we get in his presence. So that we might be shined upon. So we can shine and share what's been given to us. Remember, whenever Moses first went out to the people, he didn't veil his face. He kept his face unveiled until he shared what was shared with him by God. Please don't get a message saying, oh, I, was, I was praying this morning, bless God, and God said this. Go find the first person that's in the world and say, this is what God said. You misconstrued it. He came down and shared. He shared the radiance. 
that he had received in that consecrated spot with them. And then he would bail it. Just enough to get a little taste on their lip. Just enough just to be a little curious. A little intrigued. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would unveil himself. Be shined upon. So he could shine upon those in the world. In the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. John chapter number 17. I'm going already 30 minutes. I'm telling you what, God is good. I didn't know I had it in me. I guess I got my face to shine and something happened. I'm just giving to you what he gave to me. I, I stayed up working on the bones of this to almost 1 o'clock last night. So I'm just I'm trying to share here today. In the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ of John 17. Jesus talks a lot about as a man in the flesh, he is praying to the spirit. And he's talking a lot about glory. Read John 17, man. It is filled with glory language. He is glory this, glory that. God, you've given me the glory. I've kept the glory. I'm giving the glory. <laughs> it's glorious. He's talking a lot about glory. But as the man Christ Jesus prayed, he said in one verse, verse 22 of John 17, particularly this in his prayer. He says, the glory which thou gavest me, he says, I've given them. We had a meeting on the Mount Transfiguration. My face shined. But it's now for an impartation of that shining to be upon them. Someone say Amen. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Can I tell you tonight, brothers, shine on, sir. Can I tell the sisters tonight, shine on, ma'am. Do you know that there is one kind of diamond listen to me, which after it has been exposed for some minutes to light of the sun, that when it is taken into a dark room, that diamond will emit light for some time. Because it has this marvelous property of being able to retain light. And therefore become the source of light on a small scale. And it being able to do that shows how comparable to light the very nature of the diamond is. In other words, since this diamond can receive light and then be taken into a dark room and emit light, it just proves that the diamond is very close in nature to the light. Natural phenomenon. But listen a little closer. Science has declared, perhaps you've heard this before. Science has declared that the longer you're with a partner, the more you resemble the partner. Scientifically. It has a proper name. It's called convergence of appearance. It's called convergence of an appearance. Now, this doesn't happen for people that are together, broken up, here, see you later. These are people that are long partners. Amen. It's about long partners that they start to resemble each other. It's the convergence of appearance. Psychologist Robert Zionce of the University of Michigan has concluded from an experiment that he had done that People in close contact, like a husband and a wife, mimic each other's facial expressions, thus causing them to look like each other over the years of time with each other. 
they resemble each other because they've been around each other so much. The other picks up on the other's expression. Honey, the more trips you make to his presence and the more you mimic the expression that's up on his face, the more you adapt the glow up on your face, the more you're going to resemble each other. The longer you do that, the more often you do that, and the more often you're unveiled when you're before. I'm not a scientist, but I believe if I live my 20, how many years are we now? Three? 22. I'm already a year ahead. Hey, man, I, I'm not a scientist, but I would dare to believe if I lived my 22 years with this lady right here with a veil on my face, a bag over my head, we could be married 50 years, and we wouldn't quite look like each other like we would have if I kept it unveiled. Because, see, I can't mimic her expression if I can't see her expression. I can't mimic her expression if I'm not around her expression. But if you'll get in the presence of God, if you'll go to your prayer room, and whatever is exuding from him, you start to exude from you. Whatever you receive from him, you start to give from others. People's going to say, man, that person must be a Christian. They act a lot like God. Well, I'll tell you why. They've had a long partnership. They're starting to mimic one another. There is something about unveiled prayer. It's a convergence of appearance. That's not my subject matter. <laughs> Boy, I want to start looking more like him. I want people to mistake in the glow on my face for the glow upon his face. You look just like him. It's because I'm with him every day. I hope somebody ain't betraying the relationship of their partner because their expression ain't like theirs. Oh, I'm having fun. When you go regularly by prayer into his presence, you're going to begin to resemble him. John said in one verse in 1 John chapter 1, speaking of God, he said, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. <laughs> Someone say amen. What are you saying? Whenever you have somebody like that that you're going into the presence of, it's going to have an influence on your countenance. It's going to light you up. Someone look at your neighbor and say, I want to be lit. It's going to light you up. You're going to have a convergence of appearance. You're going to begin to mimic his expression. The more you pray, the more you're going to resemble him. The more you practice unveiled prayer, the more you're going to mimic him and resemble him and be like him to a world of darkness. They need the light. Jesus said in one place of scripture, I am the light of the world. In another place of scripture, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But he also said in the gospel of Matthew, ye, ye, ye are the light of the world. Somebody needs to get into his presence by prayer, with unveiled prayer regularly. Amen. And get bold like Moses and say, God, I want to see your glory. God, I want to see your glory. Someone say amen. Because to see God's glory is to shine. 
and to keep seeing it is to keep shining. That's what prayer does for you. That's what prayer does for the people at the base of the mountain. We can carry that altar countenance. Even like Moses had to the world around us. So they might even recognize the shine. They might not totally understand it. But again, at the same time, they'll be intrigued. See, humanity has the desire to know. One of the very few things I think that we took away from our addiction class, very, very simple, but very, very true. Humanity has the desire to know. You can call it curiosity or you can call it as it gave itself a man in Genesis. Humanity has the desire to know, the curiosity. Desire in and of itself was divinely divinely put there in the human experience by God. But whenever it was improperly placed... And it was improperly placed. That improper placed desire was the reason for the pitfall that was in the Garden of Eden. And then as a result, because of sin, we got to dominate our desires now as a result of that. But listen to me. So there is that desire to know. Amen. That's a part of the mechanics and chemistry, the makeup of our human experience. Amen. Listen to me. But through our entertaining His presence. Everybody say His presence. Through our entertaining His presence. God wants to take that desire to know. And use it now as the drawing card. For those that are witnessing your light. The same thing of curiosity that drew them to know in the garden. And took them away from God in the beginning. God wants to use and turn that on its head. And use that same intrigued desire to know. There's light. What's the, what is it about them? To draw them unto himself again. Note the scripture. I won't preach much longer. Get the gurney ready, boys. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 18. These are verses we've read over and over again, but look at them again and again. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, everybody say to me, the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's exactly what happened. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, but look now the statement and have committed unto us. Everybody say us. Someone say that's me. The word of reconciliation. In other words, God has given us the word slash ministry of reconciliation. I'm not Moses with the Ten Commandments and stones and tablets in my hand right now. But as Moses, I do got a word. I got a word of reconciliation. And I've got a shining face. Look now. 2 Corinthians, stand with me. I'm closing. We're bringing her down, helicopter style. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Look. As though God did beseech you. The word you there is added in our English Bibles. It's probably in italics in your Bible. It was added by the translators. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech by us. I'm leaving the you out. God did beseech by us. Look now. We pray that next you. It's in their italics. It was added by the translators. Not in the, the original amen manuscript of the Greek. 
We read in our English Bibles, we pray you in Christ's stead. Amen. But it goes, we pray in Christ's stead. We pray in Christ's stead. We pray in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. If I'm praying in Christ's stead, quote, unquote, very loose. If I'm praying as his substitute. If I'm doing the office and function that he had done. If I'm praying in Christ's stead. When he prayed on the mount. The fashion of the countenance of his face was changed. When it was Christ, God was beseeching humanity through him. But now Christ said, you've given me glory. I give it to them. You made my face to shine. But it's now time for their face to shine. And the way that their face shines is the same way mine got to shine. I got to get in your presence. And so we pray in Christ stead his countenance was altered when he prayed so ours everybody say must must be altered when we pray unveiled in the presence of God what is your sermon tonight Brother McGee? My, my sermon is unveiled prayer my sermon hinges really on two things go into his presence regularly and go into his presence unveiled so you can come out shining because there's a darkened world that needs a light in this dismal time. We owe it. We owe it to this world. We owe it to this world that whenever they see our face, that they'll see a glimmer of Him in us. We owe it to this world. We owe it to them. That them being around us wouldn't be like them being around every other person that they know. You hear me? Quite frankly, I don't call it a compliment if I'm just like the other Joe that they always spend time with. That'd be something they can't quite put their finger on, but they're like, about that. Those people. The only way, in my opinion, that that comes about is to go regularly to his presence. And when you're there, don't be hiding yourself. We need to get vulnerable in the presence of God. We need to get vulnerable in the presence of God. Someone hear me? You need to go there. You need to go there with all your baggage, your hang-ups, your headaches, your insecurities, and you need to just expose it all. It's the only place in this life you can go totally exposed and not get in trouble. And a lot of times we go into the places of his presence and we have areas of our life that we're protecting, areas of our life that we're keeping shielded behind a veil and a cover. If you want the beaming glow and radiance from you, to somehow impact somebody beyond you, then you got to go unveil into that prayer someone look at your neighbor and tell them go regularly listen tonight this is not a sermon of condemnation this is not a sermon of God bless you beat you up no this is a sermon to bring enlightenment hopefully tonight saying if I want the glow 
then I must go. I want the globe, then I must go. I must go totally with throwing, if you will, caution to the wind just before the presence of the Lord. Can we bow our heads all over this place? If you want to lift a hand or a voice right now, that would be totally appropriate. Unveiled prayer. Unveiled prayer. Moses, if you're keeping the shine on your face to the day you die, that's because you went regularly. Moses, if you're keeping the shine on your face to the day you die, that's because when you entered that place, you took the veil off your face. Amen. So you could be, if you will, a receptacle, a recipient of the light so that you might broadcast it when you left that place. So you could share with others what had been shared with you in that moment and that time. Is there anybody here tonight that will just find a place of prayer and say, Brother McGee, hallelujah, I've been kind of up and down here betwixt and between, off again, on again sometimes I get it sometimes I don't I want to encourage you tonight if you want to glow go if you want to glow go go regularly go with abandon go if you will with being unveiled into the presence of the Lord and when you leave there you might not know it wish not he did not know his face shined he didn't know it. you might know it but people in your life people you rub shoulders with people you talk to check out clerks that you intermingle with as you get your goods they're going to notice it Ain't gonna notice it. Hela ba 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 taya ba taya ba taya ba hushai. Lord, cause our face to shine. We need to go to His presence. Cause our face to shine. Alter the countenance of our face. Hela ba hushai. When they prayed, it happened. When Jesus prayed, it happened. When Moses asked to see the glory of the Lord, it happened. When everyone went up on that mountain and he spent 40 days there and 40 nights there, it happened. When he went there regularly, it stayed with him. It did not fade. It did not diminish. But he had to make regular trips back. He had to make regular trips back. He had to make regular trips back. Oh, we got to be a beacon of light, a beacon of hope in this hour. We got to be a beacon of light, a beacon of hope in this hour. We are doing an injustice to our community. We're doing an injustice to our loved ones. We're being doing an injustice to those that don't know God. If we're not making sure our face is shining every day. We got to, we got to, we got to. I'm not telling you you got to step outside and you got to be the extrovert. You're not, no, but I am telling you, you need to go into that secret place of God and get a shine on your face from having been in His presence. And it will do something, amen, have some type of impact to the people that's around you. Whether you realize it or not. Brother Mason, Sister Mason, come on, do you want to resemble him? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.